Hi, this is Roy Worley. Welcome to the interview show that brings on guests from all walks of life. Yeah, it's here that they tell their stories and delve a little deeper into their lives to see what got them where they are. So grab a drink, have a seat, and relax, because this is The Leo Effect. When was the last time a short movie shook your emotions to the core? When was the last time a short movie caused you to rethink everything you stood for? When was the last time a short movie made you proud to be an American? When was the last time you felt the emotion to stand up and cheer after a short movie? The new short movie, I've Got Your Six, written and directed by Bill Foster, one of the industry's newest and fastest climbing directors, will answer all of those questions. Rarely has there been so much packed into a short movie that when you leave, you'll feel more proud of our American military veterans. A movie that was cast only with American military veterans will have you on the edge of your seat, cheering for our veterans and what makes America great. I've Got Your Six will be hitting the film festival scene soon. Be prepared to drop what you're doing and go see this powerful movie when it comes to your area. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to The Leo Effects. Today, I'm joined by a very special guest uh, from, again, all the way across the Great Pond. And I'm pretty excited to talk to him. He's got some really good stuff to share with you guys, and I really hope you go check it out, as I have. Uh, It's definitely some good stuff, and we're going to touch on that. But please allow me to introduce uh, Mr. Chris Tetrault-Blay. How are you, sir? Very well, thank you, Ray. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing quite well myself. Uh, much, much better now that we're finally being able to speak. I think we booked this uh, interview like a couple weeks ago, so it's been a long time coming. I've been really looking forward to it, actually. Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Well, you know, without further ado, let's just kind of jump right into it. And you know, can you tell the listeners what it is that you you're doing that has brought you on the show? Um, yeah, so I'm I'm a, a writer. It's it's still sort of a, a bit of a sideline for me, but I've been an author for about uh, probably about sort of five years now, sort of since I've, I've had my first book published. So um, uh, yeah, so I've started off writing horror fiction, and I've um, had five books published in the past on on that line. But I've just moved over into the children's um, story market as well with the release of my first um, children's picture book last year. So. Yeah, it's, it's I'm, I'm sort of cornering both extreme ends of the scale, I think. But uh, but but yeah, sort of put, putting my stories out there. You know, being a writer is definitely something that I'm uh, focusing on a lot more than I used to. Great, that's amazing. What was it that led you to want to be a, a writer? I have no idea. It's not like one day <laughs> that I, I'd love to say that I sat down one day and thought, "Yep, that's exactly what I want to do." Or I was going through school and thinking, "This is what I want to work towards." But um, it, it kind of came out of nowhere. I, I guess I can trace some of it back to school. Um, there were certain bits. I, I, I liked the creative writing projects we got to do sparingly at school. Um, <laughs> my my mum was also very good with you know, writing poems and things like that. She helped me with a lot of you know little things like that. But um, I was never a reader. I couldn't focus my brain enough to read, so it didn't even come from that. Mm. Um, but back in 2013... Um, my wife found out that she was pregnant and uh, sort of that it would be the first for us, but then it turned out it was twins. So around that time, I was deep in thought, I guess, and I had a lot of things going on. And um, 
I I mucked around. I, I taught myself to play the guitar from when I was about 18, 19. And I started off just trying to write song lyrics for a band that I convinced myself that I would have one day. Oh, okay. <laughs> uh, still hasn't turned out quite like that. But so that was the first point at which I was putting words down on paper and sort of exploring um, these ideas in my head, you know, these, these stories or visions I had of, I, I, you know, yeah, literally ideas, um, actually putting them down and, and making myself write them down. It felt really weird at first to see, you know, see myself write down these things that were only thoughts beforehand. I didn't think it was going to ever, ever going to come to anything. Mm. Um, but then I, I can put it back to, uh, you know, one night I was playing, I, I'm very big into horror as you'll, as you'll hear. <laughs> uh, um, I was playing a horror game, Silent Hill. And I had these, I, these ideas of lyrics come down for this really like heavy metal slayer type song. Um, and as I wrote them down, I thought there's, there's actually like a wider story to this. Maybe if I kind of expanded here and there um, on some verses and that, I could put a bit more in there. And it ended up, I, I started writing it into a short story. Um, and from there, I had a couple more ideas, separate ideas. That I thought might as well put them down as well. And then they, just one day, I was just sat writing something, not really trying, I guess. And um, I found one one common thread that all, all of a sudden tied all these three stories together. And uh, I just went with it from there. Really, it's, it's yeah. That's mm. that's really the first point. I think that I had something that I I looked at and thought. I want to carry on with this and I want to, uh, there's definitely more to this that I can do and, and expand on it. Gotcha. And once yeah. you started getting into that and actually writing your stories and things, was there anybody that kind of jumped out as, Oh, you know, they're a great inspiration. I kind of want to take <laughs> some of what they do and incorporate it. Yeah. Um, James Herbert probably was the first one. Um, okay. All right. My wife was a very, uh, she, she pushed me, uh, a couple of times towards reading James Herbert again. Like I've said, I was never a big reader at all, so mm. I, uh, I I sort of poo pooed that idea. But then I finally sat down. And I read his book, um, The Others, and it's the first book that I couldn't put down. And I actually read the end of it walking from my car back into work. <laughs> One day. I, how the hell I managed that, I don't know. But it was the fact I just could not put it down. I didn't want to wait until like later that day when I finished work to find out what happened. Um, and what I loved about James Herbert was his his use of there was horror obviously in his books, there was gore in his books, but it was always I would say justified. It was it was never gratuitous. And it was very much it wasn't drawn out, um, long, unnecessary descriptions. He was very much to the point. Um and I loved that. And I think, you know, being a Brit as well, we're, we're very direct with some things. Um mm. I, I love, you know, have I love sort of dry sense of humour and things like that. Being very, very open about really macabre stuff and just talking about it like it's the everyday occurrence. And I, uh, I really wanted to incorporate some of that style into into what I did. So I didn't want to overload it with, you know, horrific stuff. I wanted it to be to for all the all the dark things that happened in my stories. I wanted them to have their own place, their own reason. But also, just wanted them to just happen, so the reader um, was taken by surprise with some of it. That you know, there it was, you know, this horrible act or whatever was going on. It just happened, and then we kind of moved on from it as if it was just 
just a you know normal. And uh, I think that really sort of gripped me to his to his books and kept me reading. Um, one of the first writers to really keep me hooked like that. Well, that's great. That's awesome. <laughs> and you know, we kind of touched on it a little bit uh, in the very beginning, but like going from horror books to children's books, like that—that's a pretty big jump. How did that come to be? Um, became a dad. Really, that's what I—that's what I put it down to. Um, okay. I—I I never, again, never set out and said. Even when I started writing, you know, I never thought I would go to children's books at all. Um, somebody asked me in a, an interview that I did way back, just after my first book was published, what other genre would I like to do? And I, I, I said children's books because I thought it's it's the most challenging market because the target audience, typically, are very, very honest. Mm-hmm. You know, <laughs> yeah. Kids will tell you if they love something. They'll also tell you um, very quickly if they hate it. So if I could write something that was very accepted by them, you know, I, I felt I would, I would have been a success. You know, it's something I didn't think I could do going from what I was writing about in the, the horror genre. Um, but every night I would I would read to my kids. Um, started off with obviously like, you know, typical baby books. And then Thomas Tank Engine, read through all of those, which was brilliant. <laughs> I used to read those. when oh, I used to um, have those read to me when I was a kid, apparently. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we found the, the rhyming books, you know, like Julia Donaldson, um, Room on a Broom, The Gruffalo, <clears throat> things like that. And I loved the way that they had this this rhythm to them. You know, it was a joy for me to read them because, again, being a music fan, anything that rhymes, anything that's got a rhythm to it is really appealing. Right. So, uh, so yeah, again... The idea for my my children's book, It's a Long Way to the Moon, really um, came out of nothing one night. Um, Literally, I had a... um, I'll I'll just explain the the story briefly so that it makes some kind of sense. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a Long Way to the Moon is uh, is a a story about... It's a a little moth who one night decides... He sees the moon, and obviously moths being drawn to, to lights and that kind of thing. He's... He wants to fly to the moon. He, he, he thinks it's the most beautiful of lights. He wants to, to fly to it. Um, so he goes on this, this little journey to try and reach the moon. And one night I was in my lounge and there was a, a moth fluttering around the light bulb, which I was trying to get rid of, like right at the end of the night. I just happened to say to my wife when I finally got him out the door, you know, looked up at the, it was a full moon, I think. And uh, I said to her, do you ever think that a moth um, has ever confused the moon for a light bulb and tried to, uh, and tried to fly. <laughs> bit of an odd, odd thing to think, but it stuck with me. And then over the next few weeks, I just, these little lines came to me, these little rhyming verses. I, I noted them down on my phone and yeah, within three weeks I had the story. That's really cool. That's a great little story. Yeah. And you know, that, that does beg a very interesting question. Have bugs ever done that? I, exactly. <laughs> I wish I could answer that. My one has tried, so I. Could, <laughs> but, uh, but uh, yeah, yeah. It's um, I love the way that with kids' stories, you could take anything, any little thing that's happened, and you can find a story in it. Um, I've been playing with my kids before, and you know, a little phrase would slip out. I'd come up with a silly name or something, and then they seem so taken with it. I, I on the spot, I would make up just this this silly little story for that character, and. You know, you get a reaction straight away, which is lovely. Yeah. 
And did you test out like rough drafts and things on your kids? Yeah, um, whenever I had sort of a few verses, um, I would I would read it to them, just sort of gauge, you know, if they were if they were interested in it, if it, if it sort of you know resonated with them. Obviously, mm-hmm. you know, again at the time, it resembled quite a lot of what I was reading to them. So so they were they had an interest in it. Um, but I also asked for their help along the way. They were old enough at the time that I uh, I said to them. If a moth was to fly to the moon, you know, what would he see? Where would he go? And uh, this is where there's a scene in the book where he goes, he visits the zoo and he he, um, he finds a giraffe. Uh, that came from my daughter. Actually, she specifically said he would see a giraffe. Oh, okay. No, I, so I knew I had to write it in. And, yeah, that's how that came to be. So they, they've been they've been a big help in really sort of shaping what was in it, to be fair. Yeah, that sounds, that sounds amazing. That would be great to have you know, the help from a children's per, a child's perspective. Yeah. Like, yeah. That's awesome. uh, having them in the, the ideal is, um, it's, it's aimed for sort of two to six age group and they're still within that age group. So, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's a perfect demographic really to, to try that kind of stuff out. Yeah, absolutely. And have you considered, uh, possibly like seeing if somebody could turn it into like an animation or something? Would absolutely love that. Yeah, at the minute, I, I, I wouldn't know where to start, if I'm honest with you. Um, haven't got, like, any contacts. That's fair. Not, That's not fair. directly. But my aim for it is to um, – we've got a couple of traditions here in the UK with um, with sort of children's stories and that. They um, the, the BBC has a, a dedicated sort of toddlers-aged um, TV channel called CBBS, and – uh, at night, they finish the the, um, the the just before they climb the close off off the air. They have a five minute slot where a, a book is read by a celebrity a lot of the time. So my my aim is to either get it on there or have it turned into an animation, which is then on TV on Christmas Day because that seems to be a bit of a tradition over here as well. So you know, uh, yeah, we'll we'll sort of see. Yeah. See what happens. Yeah, that'd be really cool to see that come to to fruition. And yeah. it, you know, speaking on the the children's book part of this, and you know, um, we'll move into your other books here shortly. But just speaking on the kids part, uh, moving forward, uh, do you see yourself writing more children's books? I do. Yeah, I've I've got a um, I've got a follow up to It's a Long Way to the Moon coming later this year, actually, um, where the the same little moth character. Um, has a I, I feel it's a it's a, an even better story. I'm really proud of this one where he actually one night he meets Santa. Um, oh, cool! Oh, I'm a, I'm a massive Christmas fan. My kids absolutely love Christmas. I wrote it way before Christmas. I think I wrote it in like September last year. Um, but yeah, the idea that I kind of took the idea of uh, you know Rudolph the Red Nosed Reindeer leading the sleigh in a foggy night. It starts off in um, the the moth gets gets lost in the fog one night on Christmas Eve and uh, then he sees the glowing red. So like he was drawn to the moon in the first one, he's drawn to this this red glow, which ends up obviously being Rudolph's nose. <laughs> um, and he kind of, yeah, he, he, he tries to follow them and then he, he eventually he meets, um, he, he goes down to the rooftop where Santa and his reindeer and the sleigh and that is, uh, is stopped. And he, he has a little adventure along with Santa. So uh, <laughs> That's I, a great I, idea. I, I'm really looking forward to to sort of promoting that one when it's out because they're looking at um, trying to get it published for about 
sort of October time, so it'd be well, well positioned and it'd be perfect time. Okay, that sounds good. I had to, I'm gonna keep an eye out for that one. <laughs> I think my kids would enjoy that. Oh yeah, yeah. And transitioning a little bit to your other works, um, more to the uh, adult oriented, I would guess. Uh, can you tell me more about your your horror books? Yeah, sure. Um, so I I started off writing a trilogy which collectively was called The Wildermore Apocalypse, um, which you can still, they're in the process of being republished by uh, by a new publisher I went with about 18 months ago. Oh, okay. Uh, the first two parts are currently still available. So you've got the first part, which is called Acolyte, and the second part is The, uh, the Sewing Season. Um, the idea behind it is it's a series set on a quite a remote, like, moorland sort of town I um, where I live. In, uh, in Devon in southwest England, we're positioned just at the base of, of like the main moorland down here. So I'm very inspired by a place that's quite not barren, but but cut, you know far enough away from general civilization that um, you know it's peaceful. But you could be quite far removed from the normal hustle and bustle of town life. I see. Okay. So it all came from I was fascinated years ago with the the idea that the world was going to end in 2012 um specifically december the 21st the whole mayan prophecy yeah 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 um and i i remember just wondering firstly what yeah what was going to happen you know just waiting for this this change whether it's going to be something catastrophic something really small um i remember being in work on the 22nd of december 2012 and being quite disappointed really, that nothing seemed to have happened. <laughs> so um, I actually, from that minute on, I started thinking, well, nobody really knew what form the apocalypse, if it was going to happen, was going to take. So what if something had happened that was going to trigger an apocalypse or something catastrophic had happened, but far enough away from, again, main civilization that we really didn't even know? Um, which is where the community of Wildermore came. It's um, it's a small town, um, really sort of the main town part, situated in in the middle of this vast sort of moorland stretch, um, and it's it's told over two time periods. So the part of it goes back to like the 1600s, um, telling of how a, a band of priests who had been shunned by um, the, the new parliament at the time who decided that their their version of Christianity, their version of religion was wrong. Um, they then sort of came together and they went a bit renegade, I suppose. And they they turned to, turned to the dark side in a way. They summoned something that they thought was going to wreak revenge on, on those that had wronged them. Uh, it all goes a little bit wrong. Basically what happens is they... They start from that point. They start the um, the workings of what will eventually be the apocalypse. They raise something that some sort of evil that will hang over Wildermore for the the next sort of you know four hundred years or so. Ah. And then it kind of the the other side is told from the more present day sort of early two thousands through to two thousand twelve. And it I jump in and out of the the time periods to kind of tell the backstory alongside the the sort of more recent story that's going on so um i've i've got 
a couple of different sort of antagonists, one in each um, time frame. I've got different protagonists. I've got a lot of characters that are at the forefront of all three books. Mm-hmm. And they, they each play their part, sort of working towards the finale in the third book. So, right yeah. on. That, that sounds like a good series. <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I, um, I, I didn't, again, I'm, I'm not, as typically as a writer, you either get two two types of writer. You get one that plans or you get one that just just sort of writes without any kind of planning, sort of pantsers, as they call them. And I'm, uh, I'm, I'm one of those. I, I don't really have the attention span to plan my work. Gotcha. So, <laughs> so no storyboards or anything like that? Um, I, I think looking back on it, doing a trilogy, especially one that spanned like 400 years, I probably could have done with a timeline at least to kind of keep up with it because I did sort of sometimes I had to go back like two books to find out, Christ, what, you know, what year was that just so I can keep it <laughs> yeah. along the same line. But, um, but no, I, I, I find it a lot more organic just to sit there and write what comes to me and, and let the stories really form themselves sort of thing. Um, yeah. that's, that, that's sort of where I started. The, um, the most recent horror that I've released was um, a book called A Necessary End. And I released that under my own um, publishing company last year. Oh, cool! So, um, so it's 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 yeah, it's, it's mostly sort of self-published. But I'm I'm trying to to put myself under under an umbrella that I can actually do more work under and to potentially help other authors. You know, down the line, it's a dream of mine to to be to help others release their books under it as well. Maybe you know. So. Yeah, that'd be really fantastic. Hmm. And so kind of speaking along those lines, like what, what advice would you have for somebody that's just getting into it? Um, I mean, really as, as, as cheesy as it sounds, you know, just firstly, just, just do it. You've got any ideas rattling around your brain. Don't think that there's a kind of formula to, to write in a book. Really the, the first step is just to sit there and, and, and just write it. Anything that comes to your mind, even if, it, if, even if you're not writing a story, it's fully formed in your head or even if you don't think you're you're starting writing at the beginning you know the best thing is just see where it takes you um i wrote my book in the middle and i ended up writing the beginning and writing an end you know after i wrote the, the middle part um but never yeah never 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 think you can't do it i think because i i still have a full-time job I've got a young family you know my writing is done around all of that gotcha. so there's no there's no, you don't have to have a structure to it. Um, don't feel put off if you, you can't dedicate every single day to it. Um, really, as long as you're putting something down on paper, no matter how sporadic it is, at some point you'll have something that then will just take you. And, um, you know, never, never think there's just one avenue to get published either. Um, you don't have to go, the this day and age, you don't have to have an agent and, go through like one of the big five publishing houses that you know self-publishing is so i think so valuable but so accessible to to all authors now gotcha. you know, so you can really just you can do it for yourself mm-hmm. you know there's every way possible so yeah just 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 do it don't give up so speaking for you know from a publisher standpoint what kind of authors and and book genres are you looking for any and all or do you want to keep with a horror theme or a kids theme I think under under the, the publishing company as I've set it up for, as I've named it, it's called uh, Dead Men's Tales Publishing. It kind of lends itself, I think, more to more to the horror side. Yeah, um, yeah. <laughs> just a little. That, 
just a little. That's, that's where I'd like to start. I mean, I um, I've had a great along, along the, you know, the the years that I've been doing this so far. The author community is 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 one of the best communities to belong to. You really meet some great people, some really talented people who sometimes just need somewhere to some avenue to get their work out there for for people to realise how good they are. Um, mm-hmm. So you know, I I know quite a few that they're right in the horror genre who. Um, who I would like to work with um, down the line, but then again, I've I've got another kids book which is aimed at a slightly older um, reading uh, reading group that I've got in the works at the minute. I've not yet finished it, but I toyed with the idea of maybe releasing that under it, maybe you know having that sort of mid uh, yeah mid sort of teenage age group up to up to adults possibly could find uh, find a home under there. But oh, okay. but yeah, I. I, I I sort of keep the um, the kids books and my horror stuff separate, which is one of the reasons why I created Dead Man's Tales, really just to give give my horror stuff a, a home that didn't interfere with the um, the other market, really. Gotcha. Yeah, that makes sense. And between a full time job, a family, trying to write in between all of that, what do you do to unwind? What do you do for fun? Um, God. Yeah, I mean, writing really was my was my way to unwind. Um, it started off. I I I had a, a I wouldn't say like dark times or anything. I I struggled with anxiety and that um, went before I started writing. It was really my avenue to. It was my therapy in oh. a way to get myself out of that. So so I do go back to whenever I can write. It's it's usually because I need that time to really quiet down, shut my mind off. Um, but no, but apart from that, I. Um, spend as much time as I can with my wife really so you know um we don't get as much time as we used to so every evening really for a couple of hours it's just sort of sit down talk with her watch tv you know have a drink anything like that it's just just valuing that time that I've not got anything going on really yeah well that makes total sense (laughs) yes that's great well, you know, I just want to say thank you so much for coming on the show. You've been a pleasure to talk to, and you're just full of good stuff, and I really hope people go and check out your book. Thank you so much. Yeah, I just want to say as well, um, I'm, I'm, I've become a big fan of your podcast, so I think what you're doing is absolutely brilliant. Thank you for, so much for having me. Absolutely. Um, yeah, it was it was through a fellow author of mine who was a, a guest on your show a little while ago that I, I discovered you, and I've I've gone back and I've listened to a number of shows and you've had some great guests on them. People that I, I remember almost, almost said they're, they're characters on TV and, and in movies in particular that I, I remember, but didn't know that I knew them, you know, and mm-hmm. it, it, it's discovering, you know, hearing people's stories like that, that you don't see in the mainstream necessarily. I think it's an absolutely brilliant um, podcast to listen to for that. Well, thank yeah. you so much. I appreciate that. And, you know, I wouldn't do any of this if it wasn't for the fans that tune in and listen and check things out. And I hope they reciprocate by going and checking out your books and, you know, getting some reading done. And so thank you all very much. And thank Thank you again, Chris. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, absolutely. And all the listeners that tuned in, make sure to go and, and check out Chris's stuff. And, you know, before we close things up, I think that would be a nice little way to wrap things up nice and neat is uh, Chris, if you have like some um, you have social medias or websites that you want to direct people to, that would be a fantastic time to tell them about it. 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, the the best best um, best way to find me on social media is on Facebook. Uh, I've got a I've got a book page set up for my children's book. It's a long way to the moon. So um, you can either find it just by searching "It's a long way to the moon," or going um, using at little brown moth as the as the tag. Um, you can find me on Twitter at uh, at tetraldblay, and I'm also on Instagram at uh, at author But it's mainly Facebook that I um, that I use, and I, I put up the the links on there. You can find my books on Amazon um in the uk as well they're listed on uh waterstones uh, i think in the us uh, a couple of my books are on barnes and noble as well so um so yeah yeah you know check it out you know you always go to my facebook page and you can see everything from there if you if you need somewhere to start right that's fantastic and you know to my listeners if if you get the anchor app rather than um checking it out online if you get the app you can actually read the descriptions that I type in for every podcast, and that's where I'm going to have all of Chris's information listed, all nice and neat packaging, so you just click and off you go. So make sure to check that out. And once again, thank you all to the listeners who tuned in to check this out. We hope you stick around for the next one, and we will see you next time. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, creatures of all ages, what an amazing show. Thank you for lending an ear and joining us. I'm the host, Ray Rumsey, and if you want to hear more interviews, simply head to anywhere podcasts are heard, Facebook or Twitter, and search The Leo Effects, with an A, not an E. If you'd like to hear me doing silly voices and making a general fool of myself, head over to Shattered Dungeons on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter. We live stream every Tuesday night. More projects are in the works. For now, stay tuned for more interviews. To book yourself as a guest, you can head to theleoeffects.wixsite.com slash podcast or send me an email at theleoeffects at gmail.com. Remember, this has been The Leo Effects, and great shows require great listeners just like you. Thank you, and we'll see you next time.